and I, I like what I feel. I like the Holy Ghost that I feel in those that are here. You have the Holy Ghost. Trust it. Trust the Holy Ghost. Don't trust your brain. Trust the Holy Ghost. And as long as your Holy Ghost is not sending off alarm bells, you can flow with something. You can flow with it. But if you can only go, if you can only flow with what God is doing, if your brain has analyzed it and picked it apart and said, okay, okay, I think this is safe. First of all, you're not going to get anything out of this meeting. Second of all, you don't walk with God. You practice religion because religion is dependent upon the mind. Spirituality is not dependent upon the mind. It's dependent upon the spirit. Uh, Zechariah 4 and 6, which you will hear many times this week. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hebrew words basically mean this. It's not by how big your crowd is, how many is with you. It's not by an army of men. It's not by human intellect, talents, abilities. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And the apostolic movement has never, ever been more under attack by the intellectual spirit than we are today. Not opposed to education. Not opposed to a person studying and qualifying themselves. Not opposed to any of that. But when that is my dependency... I have just disqualified myself in God. If that's what my, if that's the source of my trust and there's where my dependency is derived from, I've just disqualified myself in God. Because Paul, you know, Paul, probably one of the most intellectually gifted men that's ever been in the church of the living God in 2000 years. And he just happened to be in the beginning of it. He says, I have, I, I've come to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I haven't talked to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? Because I don't want your faith to be in me. I want your faith to be in God. And if you study the scripture closely, you'll find that eloquence is a, is a dirty word in scripture. And that is the, that is the goal of so many in the, in the United Pentecostal Church today is eloquence in the pulpit. And the Spirit of God is not neutral on the subject. The Spirit of God is opposed to it. Because it's not what I say or how I say it that has any positive effect on anybody. 
The whole thing is dependent upon whether or not I can allow God to use me as a conduit to speak his rhema. And Acts 2.38 as a rhema preached to the same crowd that's heard it 50 times is more powerful in its results than the latest thought that nobody's ever had before preached eloquently and impressing people's minds. But of course, you know, <laughs> it's not, this, this is not popular today. It's not popular. Uh, what's popular today is, is trying to put as many adjectives into our script as possible so that we sound smart as we're reading dramatically and calling it preaching. Well, you're pretty harsh, brother, right? No, I'm not being harsh at all. If you're not hearing the Holy Ghost in this, you're already behind. Because I got, I got more book than you and I have time to share this week on how much the Holy Ghost is opposed to all of that. Not just neutral on it, opposed to it. I, I tweeted something the other day. The Lord spoke to me. I just, it just came and I sent it out. I have to make notes to remember and to preach on what I've read. But I don't have to have extensive notes to minister about what I know and what I've experienced. And we've got too many people preaching what they've read and they don't have any personal experience in it. They don't know it. They don't they haven't experienced it. Way too many people. What you will hear this week, every single principle of it was given to me by God as an answer to a need I had. And I didn't get these needs through study. He didn't answer my needs through study. He gave me the answer in prayer. And I went to the Bible to understand what he said to me in prayer and found it was in the book exactly like he said it to me. Because those, <laughs> those who, uh, those who hear and then go and check it in the book are more noble. Those at Berea were more noble than those at Thessalonica. Because they searched the scriptures to see whether or not those things were so. So I, I don't want anybody blindly swallowing anything that's going to be said this week. But my hope is that you will be stirred enough to go from this place and you will desire to study. Now, there, there is a new syllabus. You haven't heard about it because it will not be available until this week is over with. Because note takers miss more than they catch. 
Are you telling me not to take notes, Brother Wright? Do what you want to. But while you're writing, I'm talking. You can't write that fast. I'm not trying to speak to your brain. I'm trying to let the Holy Ghost speak through me to your spirit. I don't want this. Putting this in your brain is not going to do you, God, or me any good. But if you will allow him to put this into your spirit, you will remember it when you need to remember it. And if it's really important to make notes, then in your own time, you just, you know, you can go online and watch it for free. You don't have to sign up for it. Or you can buy a seat, whatever you want to do. I don't, it's your business where you can start it and stop it. All of our archive stuff can be started and stopped. And then you can make notes from them oh, to your heart's content. The uh, current syllabus is in excess of 1500 pages. And I have reduced that down. My notes this week will be somewhere in the range of 850 to 900. Needless to say, I'm not teaching all of that. In fact, there will be sessions I will teach almost nothing that's specifically in the notes. So the purpose of a, I call it a syllabus just because that's the way to kind of cloak it. Because it's not prose writing. People don't study what they read in prose. They read it. Not interested in people reading this. I'm interested in people studying it. So I have, the, the, it's all laid out from a perspective of um, being a study aid. And uh, Brother Jim Dillon said to me a couple of, three months ago, I think you're, you're the cause of this. He said, I, I, I studied the stuff you sent out, but, and I see your points, but I don't see how you got from one point to the next. How do you con- how are you connecting this stuff? I went, okay. So I went back and took lessons and filled in the connections. And that took some lessons that were 60 pages and made them 120, 140. Once you made all the connections. And of course, when you start doing that, the Lord always adds in some more good stuff. And when I finally accepted the fact I'm not teaching from these, there was no reason to limit what was put in them. And so, uh, and since they are sequential, A, less on, a lesson will only be available every two weeks. <laughs> I can't make you do it sequential, but I can slow down you jumping ahead. <laughs> because knowledge and revelation comes line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And when you violate that process, you don't receive what's being said to you. When you jump ahead to this subject matter, having skipped all of the stuff that was the foundation to it, you may intellectually read it, but you will not receive it because you miss the stuff. It's like going from, from 
adding and subtracting to doing calculus. Because somewhere in there you skipped algebra. Needless to say, that doesn't work. So, uh, I just, just want you to understand that. Uh, oh, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, several of you have asked about my physical condition. Thank you for your prayers and concern. I fell on the 24th of August and ripped a whole bunch of stuff up. I've been off crutches about three weeks. And uh, my th- physical therapist knows I'll be standing a considerable amount of time this week. And I told him, well, I don't stand still. He says, well, I feel better about that, that I don't stand still. Okay. Uh, I'm not ready to swing a golf club, but I am ready to minister and uh, have looked forward to this. And uh, I pray that somehow that you will let the Lord bring a focus to your spirit, first of all. To your spirit. Um, That's not sparkling water. There's some really good people in this room who don't even realize how blinded you are by the spirit of religious tradition. It's not that you want to be. You just don't know that you are. Because you don't really realize Some of us can't imagine that the apostolic church could be affected by tradition. Well, dear ones, (laughs) there's probably more tradition than there is truth. And that's not hyperbole. I wish it was. I wish that was an exaggeration. But there's probably more things we do because they're our tradition, they're our culture, than things that we do because it's truth. Something's got to happen in here. In here where I determine that I want truth regardless the cost. Something's got to happen in here where I want truth regardless of the cost. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It's God. This isn't the first lesson. Just trying to lay a few ground rules here, okay? It's God that works in you both to will and to do of what pleases Him. Of what pleases Him. Not what pleases other people. 
what pleases him. I can love you and never please you. You can love me and I never please you. I wrote something the Lord said to me the other day in my notes on my iPad. I can please my wife anytime as long as it's pleasing to God to do so. Pleasing my wife is my second most important thing to do in this world. And I can please her anytime that it's not displeasing God to do it. But the great test is when pleasing her is in conflict with pleasing him. And that is in conflict on occasion. And the Lord sees to it being in conflict to find out who I'm going to please the most. And he chooses to use the person I want to please the most in this world to test me to see if I'm willing to please him regardless of the cost. So if God would put me in a place where I have to displease my wife to please him, do you think there's a possibility that he'll put me in the place where I have to displease my brethren to please him? I'm not talking about compromise here. I'm talking about setting a course that is absolutely free of tradition. As free from tradition as the Holy Ghost can make it. God never blesses tradition. Ever. Jesus said that tradition... Makes the word of God of none effect and makes your worship vain. Vain is empty, useless, worthless. Tell me tradition's okay. So we're going to pray here a little bit before we get started tonight. And, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Some of you have got really, you're like, Where, where am I and what is this all about? Okay. Just thought I would introduce you to the, <laughs> to the focus. Jesus' name. I, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to tell the Lord why you're here. I'm asking you to tell the Lord what your expectations are for your participation in this meeting. What do you want to leave here with after Friday night's session's concluded? What is your desire? What's your goal? What do you want to leave here? Do you want to leave here changed? Changed how? What is it that you want from God this week? What is that? What do you want? What do you want from him? What? Why did you come? What are you looking for? What are you going to be disappointed in if you leave here without it? What? What are you expecting? 
If there's no expectations, there's no faith. So you're here out of of curiosity. The only way you can be here out of hunger is to have some expectation. Because expectation is a product of faith. So what did you come believing for? I'm not saying you can put it into exact words. I can't put what I'm expecting from God this week in exact words. But I, I've got some feelings. I, I, I've, got, I've got some things I'm looking for. I, I, I've got some places that I'm, I'm expecting Him to take me. And believe it or not, There are things that I can go with you that I cannot go alone. Because each of us individually are sons of God. But collectively, we're the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ can go places in God that the sons of God cannot go. So, there are places that I desire to go in God this week. Because I'm with you and you're with me and we're in this together. That I cannot go by myself at home with my Bible and my study stuff and and, and talking to God and Him talking to me. He cannot take me the same places by myself that He can take me with you. And I have expectations. I have expectations. I have expectations. I'm believing Him to take me places this week that I have never been before. Never been before. Never been before. Praise God. Come on. Come on. Tell Him in the best way you can describe it, even if you can't explain it. Tell Him what you're looking for. Tell Him what you're expecting. Tell Him. Tell Him. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? Come on. What are you hungering for? Did you come here hungry? Did you come here thirsty? My, 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 my. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Did you want to leave here with the same old God you came here with? Well, I don't want to change God's brother, right? I'm not talking about changing God's. I'm talking about changing your perception, your understanding, your faith in God. Because as you change your understanding of God, and and as He changes your faith in Him, that will change who you are and what you are in God. You want to go home with the same old God? Paul spoke to those in Mars Hill. He talked about those that were worshiping a God. That they were ignorant of. Oh God. I don't want to follow a God I don't know. I don't know. Hallelujah. 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 Tie kasata tahaya.
یکیه کلو رو تحسه های شیستکیه کلا رتتتبه های Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My, 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 come on. Come on, I, the, the Lord is manifesting himself and the angels of God are manifesting themselves in this house right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. There is no agenda but whatever the Holy Ghost wants. There is no agenda but the Holy Ghost. We're here to flow. That's why this is not church. That's why we call this a seminar. So somehow we can purge your mind of the expectations of church. That's why we're not wearing ties and, and we're not dressing up because this is not church. Get church out of your mind. We're not here to have church. We're here to fellowship with Jesus. We're here to take our time and go where we need to go in Him. Come on. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, we box church into to, to such a limited context that if we don't go according to that context, God can't work. Well, trust me. Trust me. He's not going to work in your box. We need to get out of the box of tradition. We need to get out of the box of tradition. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, some of you need to set yourself free. Take that tie off. Where are you tied church? This ain't church. That's why there was no music. There was no singing. I'm not against, I'm a musician and I love to sing. But we're here, we're making that point by not doing that, that this is not church. We are here waiting on God. We're here talking to God. We're here flowing in the Spirit. We're here listening to God. We're here letting the Spirit of God and the Word of God work in our lives and change us. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Go deep. Come on. Get focused. Stay focused. 
Go deep. Let the Spirit take you deeper than you've ever been before. Come on. Wait on God, not for the next thing that's going to happen. Wait on God, not for the next thing that's going to be said. Wait on God in your spirit. Wait on God in your spirit. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus name Jesus name In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I take authority and dominion over every manifestation of the spirit of religious tradition in any heart, in any mind, in any spirit, in any life that's in this building right now or that's listening or watching online. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I defeat you by the name of Jesus. I bind you and command you to loose us. Flee from us in the name of Jesus. Set our minds free. I bind the blindness that comes from religious tradition upon the hearts and minds of the men and women of God. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. I command you to loose us now. I loose the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I loose the light of the revelation of God to shine in our hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be loosed. In the name of Jesus, be, re, be, be released. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. On June the 30th of 1964, I got out of my mom and dad's car in the parking lot of the third wing of Mancroft Hall and started my four years at the Naval Academy. 
I got out of that car a third-generation Pentecostal. On June the 5th, 1968, I walked off the grass field of the Naval Academy football stadium after having been commissioned. I walked out of that stadium a first-generation apostolic, and I'm not going back. And they're not synonymous. They're not even hardly related. They have so very little in common. They are not synonyms. Pentecostal and apostolic are not synonyms. They're not synonyms. And the Lord has told me a methodology He's going to use in this this meeting this week. It's actually just following apostolic principle. But there's a five-step process to leaving here an apostolic or more entrenched as an apostolic after Friday night. The first thing that happens is revelation. The Lord transfers or communicates revelation of knowledge, of principles, of wisdom, of understanding into our spirits. Revelation comes comes in our spirits. The second thing that happens is, after revelation at some point, apostolic authority will be given the responsibility to speak. That's going to probably be a different person in each one of these sessions as the Lord leads. But apostolic authority will speak impartation. Impartation will transfer to the recipient the giftings, the faith, the spirit necessary to utilize the revelation. After revelation is imparted knowledge and wisdom and understanding and then the word of authority speaks to impart giftings, faith, spirit, etc., The third thing that will happen is there will be a word of authority that will speak activation. Things that have been received in knowledge, wisdom, understanding, the things, the giftings and the the spiritual things that, that are the equipping to utilize what you've learned, that combination will be activated together by a word of activation. As this Bible, I've quoted the verse already, I'll do it again. It is God that, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God that worketh. Greek word there is activates, causes to be operative. So God activates in us both the desire and the ability to will to make a decision, and then also supernaturally empowers us with the ability to do what pleases God. So, revelation, impartation, activation, and then there is uh, application. And application is ministry that is overseen, 
where we are praying in any kind of application. We're praying together, directed prayer. We're praying for one another. Uh, we're praying for individual situ- situations in our, in home, but at the same time, and in, and, 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 uh, uh, application is when we practice what we have received by revelation and received by impartation and was activated in us. We were, we, we practice that with coaching, direction, instruction. And then at some point, uh, probably Friday night, there will be a sending forth for utilization where you're not going home to simply, uh, what, what is it that a cow does with her could? What's the term for that? Gestate? No, that's not it. Ruminate, whatever. Where you just go home and mull over and meditate on what you've heard and say, you know, that, that was, that was good. This was not, I don't know about that, blah, blah, blah. But you go home with, you actually go home prepared and ready to start to utilize what you've received. And if you don't go home and use it, use it. You will lose it. It is truer in the things of God than in any other thing. What you don't use, you lose. I'll say that again. What you don't use, you will lose. Last year, there was such a powerful challenge by the Holy Ghost for us to move into a new and deeper place in prayer. And uh, I don't remember what, why, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, I watched the first part of the first session uh, from last year, and I, I watched the part where I made that statement, the Lord has promised me that there's somebody or somebodies are going to go home different from this meeting than whenever they, than the way they came. And I made the statement that if nobody else goes home different, I want the Lord to send me home different. I want to be different. And as I sat there and listened to that, all of a sudden the Lord took me over the last year. And I saw what he had done in my life. And he, and he, and I looked, I sat there and they said, he did it. I didn't even realize how much, but he did it. He did exactly what I asked him to do. He did it. Well, needless to say, that's got me quite focused. Okay, Lord, you did this last from last year. Now, what are you going to do in here this year, because I don't want just more. Praise God. So let's pray one more time. You know, most of you really did good with this, but some still, you know, you don't know why you're here. Maybe you came with a friend. Maybe because you've heard of this, want to come see 
how weird it was or what it was all about or blah, 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 you know. Uh, let's go watch the old man kill himself. Whatever your reason. But, but there's some of you that just didn't really say why you were here. You didn't tell God what you were expecting. Let's do that one more time, and it's going to be about time to teach. Come on. Just one more time. Put words to it. What do you want him to do in your life this week? Where do you want to go in God? Do you want to be able to trust him more? You want more peace? You want to be more sensitive to the Spirit? You want to understand God better? All of the above? Whatever else? What, what, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you reaching for? What are you hungering for? In the name of Jesus. Boy, I like what I feel in this place. I appreciate your sincerity and your hunger so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. There is no area of your walk with God where you need to be more spiritual and more apostolic than in prayer. I make statements. If you want to take them as criticism, I can't keep you from doing that. But since the Word of God is our guide, the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet, He promised, I was praying this today, Lord, You promised through the Holy Ghost You would guide me into all truth. You promised that. And you and I know I don't have all truth, not even remotely close to it. But you've promised, Father, to guide us into all truth. I'm not ready to get the, the marble out and, and engrave what I know in stone and say, this is it. There's no more. Because in, my, in all honesty, I believe that what I have learned and what I know is more foundational to what he's wanting to do and say than it is actually beyond. And if there's anything that is critical to change, you know, we, we all want to see God do more. We all want to be used of God. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to be used of God. But our problem is, okay, what needs to change first? Where do we need to change 
first. And how do we change that? And I'm saying to you that the most supernatural thing you can do is pray. And if your prayer is not supernatural, then you're not really praying. And I'm going to back that statement up, or I believe the Lord is, here in the next few minutes. Uh, Because this is so very critical to everything that we do, everything you you and I will do when we leave here. It's also very critical to what the Lord wants to do in us and through us and to us this week. We have to learn how to pray biblical prayers. Not traditionally religious prayers, but biblical prayers. And, and, and it is a difficult thing when you're teaching the Word of God and the Word of God is taking things we've practiced for years and balling them up into a little ball and just saying that's what good that is because, okay, I'm glad you're here. But now let's do it my way. You've been doing it the way you were taught. You've been doing it the way you saw other people do it. But now let's do it my way. Problem is, he doesn't really respond to our way. I mean, really. How many people sitting here tonight honestly believes, can honestly say, well... God hears all my prayers and answers them, and, and, and what I pray for, it all happens. Is there anybody here that really gets 10% results from your prayers? 10%. Most of us may be below 5%. I, I, I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to help you here. Really? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Really? When you pray, what kind of results do you get? Because if I'm practicing prayer, And I'm not getting any results. And that's okay with me. I am praying as a religious exercise. I am not participating in biblical communication with God. I'm not. Prayer works. Biblical prayer works. Biblical prayer works. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, what if I'm praying and nothing's being availed? Who's failing? Who's, where's the problem? Where's the problem? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So what have we done? Because our prayers don't work. We pray religious prayers. And how do we do that? 
we pray our Pentecostal prayers. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And of course, when we revert to those kind of prayers, we prove that we don't expect a response because God can't answer that. There's nothing there for him to answer. The, re- the reason I wanted you to tell God what you were looking for, the reason I wanted you to express your hunger to God, is so you could survive this. I had a semester of celestial navigation. That's before GPS. That's how mariners got from one shore to another across an uncharted sea with no landmarks for thousands of years. Because they... They found their position every night from the stars. Because when you're at sea, you can see where you're going in the daytime, but you don't know where you are. It's only when it gets night in your life that you can get a fix on the stars to know where you are. You can't see where you're going in the dark, but you can know where you are. And God has designed your life every day to have daylight and dark so you can get some idea where you're going and then you can also have times of the day where you can fix your position because if I don't know where I am, I can't get to where I want to go. And if you're going to resent God when He brings darkness into your life, then you will never get where you're going because you'll never figure out where you are. And every day, the last thing the mariner does in the, as it begins to get light, while you can still see the stars, he plots, he plots the course, he plots his position on the map. And he sets a course to the destination. But he knows tides, 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 uh, uh, currents and wind are, are gonna prevent him from being on that line In the evening when it starts to get dark again and you can see the stars again, when he plots his position then, he knows he's not going to be on that line. It's impossible. He's not going to be there. External influences that I have no control over are going to move me off my course. And the awesome thing about God is this. Once it gets dark and I can... (laughs) <laughs> and I can plot my position and find out where I am. I may not be able to see where I'm going, but all through the night I can plot new places and then I can chart and then I get some idea what the winds and the tides and the currents are doing to me. And though so in the daytime, when I don't know where I am, I can come up with a better estimate of where I am and where I'm going. And it is my experience that in this day and time in Pentecost, very few people really want you to help them find out where they are. We, we've got this destination we want to get to, but we don't want to go through the painful experience of finding out in the dark where I really am. We don't want to know that. I'm not saying things to be hurtful to you. I'm saying things to help you plot your position. 
Because if you can't determine where you really are in God, how can you know where He's taking you and how to get to where you're going? You can't. Yeah, it's painful when you thought you were here and you plot a position and find out I'm over here. But I didn't intend to get there. Of course you didn't intend to get there. But tides and currents and wind moved you there. Moved you there. Forces that you have no control over and that you, that's very difficult for you to measure. You can measure the wind, direction, speed, and all that. But there are currents underneath the, the sea. In different parts of the oceans of the world, in different places, they're going a different direction. And you, you, you can be a very experienced mariner and have some idea where they are, but you still have no way to do anything more than estimate their effect on you. And the tides, you can be in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, the tide affects out here on the land, but it affects in the middle of the ocean too. And you have no control over tides. You have no control over the currents of the sea. You have no control over the wind. The only way you can combat that is to be willing to be humble and honest and allow the Lord every day to bring some darkness into your life each day where you can do a celestial check. You can check with the heaven, with the heavens, and plot the position and find out where you are. At in the middle of the ocean, you have no, no points of reference where you can find out where you are from the earth. The earth can't tell you where you are in the middle of an ocean with no landmarks. The only way you can figure out where you are is from the heavens. And they're so fixed and so certain under God's divine order that mariners for thousands of years have been able to count on this star in this season of the year being in that position and this star in this season of the year be in that position. And over the years, math, math, mathematicians calculated it. And they came up with large books that at, at any particular day and, uh, of the year and a particular time of the, of the day, these stars are going to be in this position. So when you do those and you plot that position, the heavens have told you where you are. But you can only get direction from the heavens. In the night. So now that I've tried to explain what's happening here, how much of our prayer do we pray that God can't answer? He can't. He doesn't answer. He can't answer. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Okay. All right. We got that taken care of. Now, now what, what's next? Well, fix all of this and change all this and undo all this. Okay, okay, well, we'll talk about that. Next, you're done. You're finished. Where are you going? Aren't you interested in what I got to say? Well, no, my hour's up. I only have to pray an hour. We all know you only have to pray an hour every day. We all know that. 
Because we've had that preached to us for years. An hour a day, that's enough prayer. Really? Jesus said to the disciples, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Because it takes an hour a day just to resist temptation. You don't get any help, no direction. You're not involved in ministry. It's it's beginning. Ooh, Brother Wright, I can't pray more than an hour a day. I don't have the time. We're going to talk about that. Because that's not how, not how apostolics pray anyway. I was sitting at my desk, September the 16th, 2013, preparing for call to war. I, it was such a wonderful time. My, the Lord talking to me and taking me places in the book, and I'm studying those places and just hurriedly trying to get it in a file so I can come back and study it. And, and, I, and, and, and I was studying, I was studying where we were how we got to where we are. And I went back to Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And he showed me some stuff I'd never seen before. And, and he gave me scriptures to be able to prove that God did not create the earth like it was in Genesis 1-2. He created the earth in Genesis 1-1 and it was perfect. But there was war in heaven. And Satan was cast out to the earth. And the earth became without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep because Lucifer and his forces were cast out of heaven into the earth. So what we call creation was really a recreation of the earth. And the Lord said to me, you cannot understand the future unless you first understand the past. And I said, well... How far back do I do, do I go? He said, how far back do you want to understand? And I said to him, are you challenging me? And there was silence. I said, okay, who are you and where would you come from? Is that far enough back for you? And he responded, from everlasting to everlasting, I am God. I, I know about the line upon line, precept upon precept. I, I learned, I know about that. I've experienced that. But that's not what happened at that moment in my life. Supernaturally, immediately, it was like God exploded from this Pentecostal mold that had been created in my brain subconsciously instantaneously to this God I did not know didn't know him Paul tried to tell the Athenians in him we live and move and have our being But most of us talk to a God that's somewhere out there who also seems to be either hard of hearing or stubborn or recalcitrant, something. He's difficult to convince to do anything. He's hard to communicate with. That's the God we, we talk to out here someplace. And I've got to say to you this. That one experience with God 
has so permanently changed my thinking. I, nothing in my life is the same. My faith's not the same. My prayer's not the same. My, the way I look at God's not the same. Nothing's the same. God is before the beginning and after the ending. Brother Mott, correct me if I don't say this exactly right, and I mean that sincerely. But scientists have determined that the universe originated from a single point. And at a single moment in time, there was what they call it, the Big Bang or whatever. And it all began to expand. And they have measured that the universe is perpetually expanding in all directions and has not ceased to do so in many, many billions and billions and billions of years. See, we have a problem with that because we're, we're saying seven days. He recreated the earth from the chaos it was in in seven days. Whether that's seven 24-hour days or seven, the Bible calls them the generations of the creation. So whether that's periods of time, that we don't, we, we don't even know what time is until there was a sun and a moon. But here's, the, here's, the, here's what the, the point is. If the universe is expanding, well, do you remember the speed? I don't remember what you said the speed was. Somebody said to me today or whatever at 186,000, well, at the speed of light at the very least, Speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. And the universe is expanding at the speed of light in all directions and has not ceased to do so from the moment it started from that center point. A, a point, a center point. Now, scientists, scientists they say they, they figured that out. The one thing they don't figure out is how it got there where it could start. That's what they don't address because they can't address it. Okay? But here's the point I'm trying to make to you. If God is the creator, and he's always bigger than his creation, and the universe is expanding at 186,000 miles per second in all directions, will it ever get bigger than God? No. It will never get bigger than God. How big is your God? The biblical principle is, Jesus said, I am in the Father, the Father's in me. That's the biblical principle. So, applying the biblical principle, what we know is this. The universe is in God, and God is in the universe. But as creator, he's always going to be bigger than the creation. The creation can never outgrow the creator. He has no fear that it can expand at 186,000 miles per second in every direction and get bigger than him. And some of you fret about our oneness doctrine. Really? So there can be two beings that fills all space simultaneously? Or three? 
That's not possible. There can only be one single being that fills all time and space simultaneously. There can't be more than one of them. And so we don't explain God from God's point of view. We explain God from the anti-Trinitarian point of view. You're kidding. No wonder we don't know God. All we know is He's not three people. Well, I got a question. Just how big are your problems in relationship to a God that big? Just how great are your challenges? Just how difficult is your life in relationship to a God like that? Really? Now, what's, what's the point? The point's this. How does an infinite God create and relate to the finite? Anything with a beginning is finite. My soul had a beginning. It's eternal because it's not going to have an ending. The angels, good and bad, are eternal, but they had a beginning. God is not eternal. The Logos is eternal. God is infinite. Now you think, what, what, what are you talking about, Brother Wright? Well, hang on a minute. Because if you don't know who you're talking to, how can you talk to him? He said, don't use vain repetition like the heathen do. So if I don't know who I'm talking to, and I claim to be praying to God, and I'm using vain repetition, then I'm talking to God just like the fellow over here that's got a piece of stone he's carved some stuff in and is talking to, and he hopes if he talks to it enough, it'll do something. And how many, how many believers are treating the infinite God just like that? So we pray an hour and fill it with hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I know some of you have heard some of this before. Too bad. It's what God wants to say tonight. Right? My wife is here. I'm so happy my wife is here. Thank you for all of those of you that prayed for her. And uh, she is cancer free and and uh, her hair is rapidly growing out. We're thankful for that. And she is really patient with me. But I promise you this right now. If I walked in the house and started going, Alice, 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 Alice. Alice, 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 Alice. Alice, 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 Alice. I promise you I would be in trouble. I probably wouldn't get anything to eat. Alice, 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 Alice. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Let's get really, let's get with it. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he's going, what, 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 what? What, what, what? 
I'm glad you're laughing. The problem is, that's what we do. And then we, we conclude prayer doesn't work. That kind of praying doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why do we do it? Because we learned it from our culture. We get saved either because we're raised in the church or we come into the church from out of it and we hear people pray like that and nobody tells us how to do it real so we just do what we're hearing. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing this for, Lord, but that's what all these people that I get saved in this church and that's what they do. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is that how you talk to an infinite God? Is that how you communicate with Him? So this infinite God, He's got a problem. God had a problem? Yeah, He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need us for anything but one thing. God is love. He is love before there was anything to love. So therefore, since he is love, and there was nothing but him, how does he love? How does he manifest who he is? How? There was nothing else but God. Way back when, there was nothing but this infinite God. The infinite God. Not the eternal God. Eternal has a beginning, no ending. But the infinite God. How, how, how do I? How, what did He do? What, what, what did He do? He is love. But he's, it's just Him. What did He do? What did He do? Love compelled Him. To create. Everything in existence came into existence because of the love of God. Everything in existence, everything in existence came into existence because God desired to love and be loved. And loving himself was not fulfillment of him being love. Before there was anything but God, God's name was and is, I am. But now he wants, he wants to love, he wants to be loved. But the infinite, which is at every time and every space simultaneously, forever, cannot directly relate to finite. It's not possible. It's not possible for the infinite God to directly connect to finite. So God expressed Himself as Logos. And Logos was the beginning of the creation of God. Logos is so far beyond 
word that's translated in our Bibles. Logos translated as word. It's so far beyond word. Logos is the plan of God, the purpose of God, the will of God, the counsel of God, the wisdom of God. It's everything he would ever do in relationship to time and eternity. And remember Isaiah 5, 9 and 6 says, King James says he's the everlasting father. Several Bibles translate it, he's the father of eternity. He's the creator of eternity. Eternity is that which had a beginning but has no ending. I'm eternal. You're eternal. My soul's going to spend eternity someplace. The angels, both faithful and fallen, are going to exist forever someplace. Eternal, but not infinite. It is by Logos that God created everything. Logos is not a separate God, not a separate person of God. But Logos is every bit of the infinite God that can relate to time and space. Not a separate God, not a separate person of God, not, not a separate entity from God, but God expressed from the infinite into the finite. Now, get this again. The first thing God created, the first thing that came to be, was God, the infinite God, expressing Himself as Logos. He's got a plan. It's a meticulous plan. Everything in the universe obeys that plan because God doesn't love the universe. The universe doesn't love God. The angels worship God, but that's the proof that that worship is not loving God is that the angels are not loving God. They're worshiping God. So you can praise and worship God all day long, and that doesn't prove you love Him. That's to prove you, you love him. It's true praise. It's true worship. But that's not love because the angels don't love. God doesn't love the angels. The angels don't love God because to love, there has to be a choice. And the angels were not, were created with the ability to choose, but weren't created with the right to choose. That's why when Lucifer made a choice against his right, one time, one strike, you're out, not three strikes. One strike, you're done. There's no redemption. There's no salvation. It's over. It's over. He's done. Finished. Forever. He created man with a choice. I mean, mankind with the ability to choose and gave man the right to choose and with right comes responsibility. 
So we not only have the ability to choose, but unlike the angels, we were given the right to choose, and we now have the responsibility to choose. And if we don't use that choice to love God, we are choosing to spend eternity in outer darkness, in the lake of fire, cut off from God, as cut off as you can get, forever. Ever. God knew when He gave, created man with the ability to choose so that God could love man and man could love God back. He knew that very few of any of us were going to make all right choices with this ability to choose. So the lamb was slain from before the foundation of the world. Your ability to be forgiven of your wrong choices so you can be restored to the place God has planned for you was instituted before you were created, before man was created. Because the Logos, a part of the Logos was the plan for Logos to be made flesh and for that flesh to die in our place before the foundations of the world. Before the universe came into existence. As when Logos came into existence, the plan came into existence, and salvation was provided in the plan from the moment it came into existence. Because God wanted to love you, and He wants us to love Him back. But He knows that we don't make right choices all the time. So He showed His love. By giving us a way to undo those wrong choices. Because there's a plan. Brother J.T. Pugh, one of the great, great men of God of my lifetime. I heard him say when I was a young man. That judgment for the believer is going to be God laying out the blueprint of what he plans your life to be. And laying the transparency of how you lived your life over the top of the blueprint and see how closely how you lived matched up with God's plan. Will you be saved? Probably. But your place in eternity is going to be determined by how it matches up. So therefore, folks, (laughs) it wasn't enough for the Logos to come into existence in the mind of God and for the plan to come into existence where man would be created and Logos would be made flesh and die for the wrong choices of the will of man. It wasn't enough. God wanted someone he could love. that immediately after the Logos came into existence and the plan came into existence, he created the church in his mind. The church. Not a denomination. Some people call it the church in a church because we call church and God calls church. Okay? What we call church, he doesn't take ownership of. There may be only one person in a church that's in the church. There may be 
50% in a church that's in the church. But what we identify as church and what he identifies as church is two different things. And if you think God's going to settle for quantity over quality, then you haven't studied the word at all. Because he rejected the whole world and saved eight people. Because those eight people were the only ones that met the quality standard. And if you think you can play church and just work God into your busy schedule and, 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 and let him know that you really have made it, I've made an effort, God. Look, I showed up. I'm bored out of my mind. I'm not participating. And I don't pray, but I go to church, God. Isn't that good enough? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not good enough. I've said this many times. But if if my father-in-law had come through the back doors, I stood up to the front with dragging my wife down the aisle to marry me, I'd have met him halfway and said, this ain't happening. Because if she doesn't want me as much as I want her, we're done. It's finished. Do you think the Lord wants a bride for eternity that works him into their busy lives? You think God wants a bride for eternity that doesn't really care any more about him than just someone to get something from? I think in our culture we call them gold diggers. That's what Lucifer accused Job of being. Satan accused Job of only being a servant of God because of what he got out of it. I wonder who would win that contest if we were the one God and Satan were discussing. Oh, that fits with something the Lord spoke to me the other day that I tweeted. My attitude... It's not a product of my circumstances. My attitude is a product of my faith and trust in the Father or lack of faith and trust in the Father over my circumstances. That's, that's what this is about. Because our prayer... It's mostly about trying to get God to change stuff we don't like. I got a question. Other than in the garden, which was only him dying, how many times did the man, Christ Jesus, pray for anything for himself? None. But the average apostolic, what is most of the focus of our prayer lives? Us. That's what we pray for is us. Well, what, what we, what, what's prayer for? I'm glad you asked. It's not for that. Jesus said, Brother Wins, I close, I feed the birds. You're my child. I won't feed you. I, I clothe the lilies. 
grass of the field. And you're my children when I feed you. He said, the Gentiles seek after this stuff because they don't have a father. And when you pray, and that's what you pray about, is me giving you all the stuff you need as my child. You're, you're saying by your prayer, I don't have a father I can trust. I don't have a father I can trust. Because I have to ask for stuff from my father. I have two sons. One is just turned 44, and another one a few months ago turned 35. And I'm, I'm old, and I got a bunch of stuff. And if they need it, one of them will usually ask first and bring it back, at least. The other one, it never crosses his mind to ask. And most of the time, it doesn't cross his mind to bring it back. He intends to. Well, when I find it missing and I call and say, Hey, have you seen such and such? Oh, yeah, I forgot to bring that back. I don't call the cops because I have... Somebody has gotten into my house and stolen stuff. Because you see, the father says, even to the prodigal, everything, you know, to the, choose the elder brother, everything I've got's yours. Well, they believe the Bible. They believe the Bible. I'm the father, they're the sons, everything I've got's theirs. They asked for toys, not food, when they were growing up. They wanted sports equipment. They didn't ask for clothes. They knew the food and the clothes was going to be supplied. So they spent their desire efforts on other stuff. Because they had a father. Now, David was unfortunate enough to be nine years older. And what we could afford when he was little was a little bit different than what we could afford with Joel. But we gave him every, the best we could at the time, and we gave the other the best we could at the time. Why? If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things unto them that ask Him? I have a Father. Where is He? Our Father. Which art in... That doesn't mean He's distant from me. It means He's over everything. I'm going to say that again. When I pray, Our Father, which art in heaven... I'm not talking about somebody that's so far off he can't hear. I'm talking about somebody who is over absolutely everything in my life. I'll tell you something else. Job, the Bible doesn't say Job was a child of God or a son of God. You can't be a son until you can be born a son. 
And that wasn't available to the New Testament. And yet, Job, uh, Satan said, I can't mess with him because you got a hedge around him. Now, if there's a hedge around Job, and I have the family name on me in baptism, and I've been made a partaker of the divine nature by receiving the Spirit, then my question to you is, there's no hedge around me? You mean there's no hedge around me? There's no hedge around you? You bear the family name. You've been made a partaker of the divine nature. There's no hedge around you. You cross the Potomac River, this is, this is heathen country. Potomac River between, the border between Virginia and Maryland is the boundary of the Bible Belt. Okay? But we don't have tornadoes. Every once in a while, Brother Shelton will will text me or whatever and say, there's a bad system coming through West Arkansas. Tornadoes everywhere. Uh, You're my bishop. How about speak a word of covering? No problem. So I pray. He requested, I spoke it. How many times have you said that the systems divide, go around your area, come back together again? Tornadoes hit. You say, well, that's not fair. I said, well, you can't cover the unsubmitted. Woo, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You can't pray a covering of protection over unsubmitted people. No matter how much you may want to, you can't do it. The covering doesn't work because it only works for those that believe in it enough to be submitted to it. It's not man. It's God's authority. But you've got to be submitted to God's authority and those through whom he exercises that authority. So you can't pray a covering over the unsubmitted. Years, years here, for years. It's, it's on CDs, it's on DVDs. You can hear it. God would give a word, and I'd speak against bad weather. You know, got tired of missing church for snow. Because when people, when you cancel service because of snow, they think that's God saying their tithe now belongs to them. Yeah. Yeah. Bad weather's an act of God, so if an act of God keeps me out of church, it's God saying by an act of God that this is now my money. I can do with it whatever I want. I don't have to, I don't have to give it. It stops being tithes because church got canceled. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I got tired of missing church. I like church. I like when it's apostolic church and you got expectations. So the Lord gave me a word and I prayed that we wouldn't have any services missed because of snow. And God would, they'd predict snow and it wouldn't happen. And predict snow and it wouldn't happen. Well, that went on like six, seven years. Well, in 2003, our building collapsed under the snow of the century. And I had people say to me, why didn't you pray against the snow? Because I didn't receive a word to do that. It wasn't my word that was keeping it from happening. It was his word. It was the infinite God's word communicated to me through Logos. And I just spoke the infinite God's word. Meditate on that one just a little bit. Well, look what God did through you. No, no, no. Are you kidding me? We were talking. I said this today. I don't know if I ever used it like this. People don't rush out of a house where it was on fire. It was put out and, and, and just grab the hose and hug it. It's just the conduit. The hose didn't put the fire out. The water and the one who is steering the hose is the one that got the credit. The conduit doesn't get the credit. The privilege of the conduit is just being the conduit. That's the privilege of the conduit. And the greatest thing you could ever let God do for you, the infinite God do for you, to you, through you, is for you to give you the grace to submit to being just His conduit. His conduit. So here we are as a church. Okay, let's see. God became Logos. And he made Logos flesh. It was here 33 years, give or take a couple, and taken into heaven. And the Logos manifested in the flesh on earth is no longer here, right? Trick question. I'll say that one more time. So the Logos made flesh, it was here for 33 or so years, it's taken into heaven. So now the Logos made flesh is no longer on earth, right? You haven't got it yet, have you? The Logos made flesh dwelt on the earth for 33 years. It's no longer on the earth. It's in heaven and now in him we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. In him. Because the head of the body is already there, seated in the place of power and authority. The body may still be here. But the head of the body is already seated in the place of authority in the heavens 
And we've already, past tense, hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Past tense. Because the head is already there. If the head of the body is the Logos made flesh, what's the rest of the body? How can we be anything but? How can the church be anything but? The Logos made flesh. That therefore he says, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. The head goes to take a place with the infinite God. And now, the body that's connected to that head is still on the earth, representing both the head and the infinite God here and now. Who are you? Are you the person that goes to church and plays Pentecostal and sings our songs and practices our Old Testament worship? Now, a couple of you have already heard this in the last few weeks from me. So be it. You're going to hear it again. Shouting. Dancing, clapping, running is not New Testament. It's Old Testament. And you don't have to have the Holy Ghost to do that. Because the only instruction we have on all that is the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And that's not what makes us Pentecostal. It's biblical and we do it. Pastor was preaching Sunday night. He was talking about, he's dan- he was dancing. He said, was I... Is this the Holy Ghost making me do this? He said, no, I I felt like doing this because if God wants to use me, I want to already be moving. Rather than Him having to quicken me from a dead stop. We say, "That's, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. So they all had the Holy Ghost in, that were talked to, up talked to or talked about in the book of Psalms. They all had the Holy Ghost. When they danced, that was the Holy Ghost. When they shouted, that was the Holy Ghost. When they clapped their hands or raised their hands, that was the Holy Ghost. No. And those aren't the characteristics of being Pentecostal. Are they biblical? Yes. Should we do that? Yes. But that's not what a Pentecostal is. It's certainly not what makes an apostolic an apostolic. But you ask the average Pentecostal. Well, describe to me a Pentecostal church service. Well, we dance and we shout and, and David would go, okay, okay. I haven't heard anything New Testament yet. Go ahead. We raise our hands. Oh, well, okay. I did that too. We shout for joy. Yeah, well, I did that too. We ran in the spirit. Just ask Elijah. Yeah, I ran a chariot. That's running the spirit. Hello? So I ask you a question. What makes us apostolic? What's the New Testament? What are we supposed to be doing? What makes us New Testament? 
I'm filled with the Spirit. There's supposed to be a ministry of the Spirit and the Word that flows through us as conduits. So, how do I pray? Put on the screen for me, please, Romans 8, 26. How do I pray? Well, let's see, I, I try to come up with stuff to pray about. And good, it's not about me. I'm, I'm, okay, so, so I've got a family member that's lost, and I want to pray for them. So, how do I instruct God how to save them? Because that's what most of our prayer is. Because we try to instruct Him how to do that. Oh, we, we're sincere. Because we think we're supposed to be asking for something specific. And so we're actually instructing God what to do to save that person. H- Hello? Now, if, if the Spirit of the Lord gives me a rhema to speak, you say unto this mountain, you speak unto this tree. If I've got a word of authority to speak in my native language, my head language, the language of my understanding, I'm going to speak that. But it came from the Spirit, and I'm speaking it in the Spirit. But how do I pray when I don't have a rhema? Lord, I, I need my rent paid. I need it by such and such a day. And, and I, I repented today, today, because for years and years and years and years and years, I put the limitation on God that I wanted the needs of the ministry of this local church to come through the people of God so that they would get the blessing for it. And my motive, I believe, was good. I wanted the people of God to be blessed. And they've got to sow seed to be blessed. And so I wanted the supply of all the need to come from the people of God. I wanted that. But I repented today. And I said, Father, we have a need. We've got a lot of need. ministry needs, not building needs, ministry needs. There are things we need to be able to hire people to do. It's not getting done. It needs to get done. So, Lord, I repent and, re- and I take all my requests away. You supply the need any way you want to. And I'll let you worry about whether or not the people get blessed. Because the bottom line is this. I want to stop telling God what to do and how to do it. When, if God wants something spoken that He's to be bound to, He will te- He will speak it to me, and I will speak it because He's the one binding Himself to that. It's not me. The keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The gr- grammatic. Grammatically there, both the Amplified and Weiss Expanded Translation of the New Testament says it really, really, really close. 
Whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. So I'm just the conduit of hearing what God has already predetermined. And I'm speaking what He's already desired to do. I'm not limiting Him. I'm only the conduit for the spoken word. But when I don't have a rhema, whose faith do I want to use? If I pray in English... Whose faith am I using? Mine. If the Spirit is praying, whose faith am I using? Because you see, He will not violate His plan, and His plan is, He's going to use man. When He sought for a man among them and couldn't find one, He became man. He became man. That's what you're doing sitting here. It's to find out the place God has put you personally in His plan, in His purpose, in His kingdom so He can use you to speak and pray either in your language or His language or both the things He wants loosed in the earth for His kingdom's sake, for His name's sake, for His will's sake. If the infinite God speaks through Logos to this finite, frail, earthen vessel that is at best nothing more than a conduit, and this conduit is not resisting God, but doesn't have to understand what it means, doesn't have to figure out how to make it happen, all it has to do is just speak into the spirit, the supernatural in the earth, that rhema. That's all. Who's going to get the glory for what's done? Not the one speaking the rhema, but the one who gave the rhema. Oh, Jesus. You can stay there. But John 6.63 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words, Greek word there is rhema, not logos. The, the rhema, the words that I speak unto thee, they are spirit and they are life. Oh, man, there's some of you here that I, I, I know naturally. You, you're in tough situations. You're in painful situations. Some of you have been in those situations a long time, and you don't see any way that thing is changing. And you've asked God, 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 and, asked God, and nothing has happened. What does that mean? That means you're asking the wrong thing. Paul asked for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. And God said, I'm giving you what you need, which is grace to endure with the thorns.
because I gave you the thorns, the messenger of Satan, to buffet you as a blessing from me to keep you saved because of the abundance of the revelations. Because you can't save yourself. Your flesh, Paul, even your flesh, is more than capable of taking God's glory. I've said this about everywhere I've been lately. I'm going to say it again. The world is yet to see what God could do through one person that God could absolutely trust will not take his glory regardless of what he does through that person. The world is yet to see what God could do through just one person that God could absolutely trust that that person would not try try to take God's glory regardless of what God did through them. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're the one God's looking for. I know my old stinking heart. God has to, he has to do stuff to me to keep this old earthen vessel reminded. This ain't me. This is him. And thankfully he loves me enough. Just because you don't see what he does. <laughs> doesn't mean he's not working overtime because I have charged him to save me regardless of the cost you charge God yes because he will not violate my will and so I have exercised my will by saying father I'm making the choice to be saved and charge you to accept this as my decision to be saved and asking you to do whatever it takes to keep me saved regardless of the cost. Why? Because I want to move on from having to pray about me. I want to be a conduit. I want to be a conduit. I want to trust Him with my salvation and let Him take all of this and use it for His kingdom's sake. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We all have a common weakness. I don't care how long you've had the Holy Ghost, how many years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes you've prayed. We have a common weakness. You never learn to pray and nobody knows what to pray for as we ought you say well I know what to pray no you don't situation comes along and there's a problem a need you know what God needs to do to fix that no you know what you want God to do to fix it but you don't know what God needs to do to address that and he may address it like this I'm not touching it I sent it You know why some of us don't believe rebuking the devil works? Because when God's the one that's doing it and we're rebuking the devil, nothing changes. Oh, let's see. Boy, the devil's really fighting me. I rebuke you, devil, and nothing changes. And we find out that it's not the devil that's doing this. God, my Father, has allowed this for the benefit, my benefit and the kingdom's benefit. Likewise, 
The Spirit helps our infirmities. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray about for any particular situation. We don't know how to pray. And so, because we don't, and we think we've got to pray these religious prayers in King James English. Oh, Father, we thank Thee today. So we not only pray in King James English, we pray in what we suppose is a King James voice. And this is our prayer. Uh, you ever prayed with somebody, prayed like that? You think you're in some kind of spiritual Shakespearean theater? <laughs> theater or something expecting Macbeth to come out of the shadows oh God I I got a couple of friends in the past that prayed like that I love them but I really do my best to avoid praying with them because I, I don't I, 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 I'm pretty good at blocking stuff out but that that I can just see me walking in the house. Oh, Alice, I love thee. And she goes, Are you okay? Well, yes. Isn't this the language of love? Not my love. <laughs> That's not the way I want you to talk to me. We don't know what to pray for. The Spirit itself helps our infirmity. Get this, the infinite God, through Logos, made as much of His Spirit available as could be manifested in the finite. And then He put that in me. So because I have a portion of the divine nature, according to 1 Peter, that divine nature in me, next verse please, Searches all things. We know that all... No, no, verse 27. You went to two verses. He that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The will of God. So what does that mean? Well, I... I you, so I'm supposed to speak in tongues for an hour? You're kidding, right? How about pray in the Spirit throughout the day? All day. Where you living in the Spirit. It's a life of the Spirit. No, I don't. Nobody else prays out loud in tongues 24-7. Nobody. But there is a connection that God wants us to have. Between what His Spirit in us and His Spirit. There's supposed to be a connection there. And I'm supposed to yield to Him and let Him pray. Some things I know what the Spirit's praying for. Some things I don't have a clue. But isn't that part of being a conduit for the kingdom? It's being a conduit for the kingdom. I know this is far out for some of you. There's some of you never heard a thing like this in your life. You wouldn't believe how toned down I have from all this, from the 101 pages for tonight. Okay? 
Sorry. I mean, this is the abbreviation of the abbreviation of the abbreviated version of those notes. This isn't the high points. This is the high points of the high points. Because this is what the Lord wanted to say tonight. Because that's what we pray. Not, Lord, help me do these notes, but say what we need to hear. If you truly receive what you've just heard already tonight and went home right now and began to let the Holy Ghost practice this through you, it would change your life. It change your life. Man, it's tough doing anything in Chicago, isn't it? Everything's expensive and there's never enough money and boy, this is tough. God's not very big and so we, we, we have to try to help him out. We have to help him out sometimes, kind of give him some guidance on how to do this because he, he obviously doesn't know what he's doing because he needs my help. Because I am the infinite one and he's the finite one and I'm asking you a question. I'm asking you, you personally a question. You personally a question. I'm asking you personally a question. The Spirit of the Lord is asking you personally a question. Are you honestly willing to continue to practice your faith the way you are currently doing it for the rest of your life? Are you willing to do that? Especially when it doesn't even remotely match up with Scripture. Find me even one case where the apostles prayed like the average Pentecostal does. Show me where that happened. But I see the apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. And it just 1 Corinthians 14 tells us all the different ways that the Spirit can pray through you in tongues. All the different ways. Well, Brother Wright, what benefit is it if my brain doesn't know what I'm praying about? That's what saves you. Because our brains are the problem. Because our brains want to control. Our brains want to direct. Our brains want to play God. And we want God to be our servant. Doing what we're telling Him to do. The way we're telling Him to do it. That's what our brains want. We don't want to give up control. There's a word for that in the Bible. There's a word for it. I think the word is iniquity. Iniquity is the desire to be in control. And the result of that is lawlessness. Nobody can tell me what to do. God, I will pray and tell you what you ought to do. But you're not telling me what to do. 
Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Some will say to me in that day, we've cast out devils in your name. We've prophesied your name. We've done mighty works in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. You had enough Holy Ghost to see the miraculous happen. But the Holy Ghost never had you enough for you to give up control to Him. And I don't know or take ownership of those that don't give up control to me. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, his spirit prays. King James says, his understanding is unfruitful. His mind is not producing the prayer. That's exactly the literal translation of that. His mind is not producing the prayer. Well, if my mind's not producing the prayer, who's producing the prayer? He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. Oh, look at that. Did you see that? According to the will of God. The Spirit is praying through me, and what the Spirit is praying is according to the will of God. I don't know the will of God. So I don't know how to pray as I ought. But the Spirit knows the will of God. And when I let the Spirit pray through me, He's praying the will of God. You know the problem with this? It's so obvious. It's hard to reject. It's obvious. It says it right here. Oh, wait. That verse you went to a while ago, let's go to that next verse now. Now look at the context. You ready? Hey, wait, wait, wait. What's the first word? Ah, major word. Why? Because what's about to be said is directly conjuncted or connected with what's been said. What's been said? We have an infirmity. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. The Spirit itself helps our infirmities. With groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth whether it's the mind and spirit. And maketh intercession for us according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that do what? Oh, so this is not a blanket scripture that just covers everybody? Oh, you mean it's conditional And doesn't apply to everybody. It only applies to those that meet the two criteria. What's the two criteria? You love God. Well, how do I love God? Right. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Does that mean we have to do it perfectly? Well, if you know how to do it perfectly, would you please take the mic? Because I can't tell you how to do it perfectly. Thank God for the blood. But the motive, the desire. 
is I want to keep your commandments. I don't always keep them. Because my flesh doesn't always cooperate. If we say we have no sin, we're a liar. Truth's not in us. But I love God because my desire, my, 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 my intent is to let His love empower me to keep His commandments. And that's a process to learn how to do that. But I love God. I'm loving God. I'm growing in that. It's happening to me every day. And to them who are the called according to His purpose. Implied in this is, because everybody's called. Implied in this is those who have responded positively to the call. For instance, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. That's somebody that has responded to the call to his purpose. His purpose is becomes more important to me than my comfort, my convenience. And if pursuing his purpose... In pursuing his purpose, if the Father allows pain, problems, or pressure in me, then I know because I'm a conduit and the Spirit is praying through me and that's what I allow to happen every day, then all of that is for the good. It didn't even say, notice this, you ready? And we know that all things work together for my good. Huh? It didn't say my? No. For the good of what? For the good of the purpose. For the good of the kingdom. And if I love God and I love His kingdom, His purpose, then it's okay with me if I, if I end up paying a price that is good for the kingdom. I thought God loved me. He does. Job didn't even have the Holy Ghost and God trusted him. Now, I'm not volunteering to go through what Job went through. Because first of all, I'd have to have eight more kids. And that would all be a miracle. Praise God. Abraham wouldn't have nothing on me. And, and... I don't know where I'd put all that cattle and camels and donkeys and oxen. So I'm not in Job's status by a long shot. But if God chose my life to be the battleground between him and the adversary to prove that people will live for God and be a part of him, even if there's no benefit they can see. And that is good for his kingdom. So be it. You see, modern Christianity isn't Christianity at all. It's me focused, blessing focused, heaven on earth focused. 
And there's no such thing like it in the Bible. It doesn't exist. So we read chapter 11 of Hebrews. We see all these people with the great victories. And then he just couldn't quit there, could he? He has to have those couple of verses at the end. Sawn asunder. <laughs> okay, so you put the pieces back together, right? No. No, no. There are people that were faithful to God that the Lord let die. But it all works together for the good of the kingdom. And if you're not sold out to the kingdom, that's not good news, that's bad news. But the problem is, how's it working for you for God to give you the additions without the king, seeking the kingdom first? Some of us seek the kingdom to get the additions, and whatever you get is not additions, because God only gives additions all these things shall be added unto you. God only gives to the additions to the people that aren't even looking for them. They're only looking for the kingdom. Oh, Jesus. This is... Uh, Extremely difficult on the flesh, isn't it? For some of us, our whole idea of why we're saved is threatened by this. Some came to get power over the devil. You didn't need to come here to get that. You already had that. These signs shall follow them that believe. And that was spoken before the day of Pentecost. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. You didn't have to come here to get that. So whatever you came for, it wasn't to get power over the devil. So what did you come for? What did you come for? John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God, take away the sins of the world. It was the day after or next day after that or whatever. Jesus comes walking through the multitude. John says again, Behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. And two of John's disciples left following John and started following Jesus. And Jesus let them follow a while. Jesus let them follow a while, and then all of a sudden he stopped and asked the question the Spirit is asking you tonight. What seek ye? What did you come here expecting to receive? Won't be me giving it to you. What seek ye? What you come looking for? Some of you travel a long way to get here. Some of you did. Long way. Why? 
Some of you, you battled area traffic. That's almost the toughest traveling across country. I mean, you know, whew. Very few things tax my patience like traffic. I'll drive 10 miles out of my way to avoid sitting in stop and go traffic. I don't care if it's out of the way. I don't care if it takes me longer time to get there. I'm moving. That feels like progress. So you went through all this. Why? Why are you here? Why? What seek ye? They gave the right answer. Where dwellest thou? Master, where dwellest thou? And that brought the invitation, come and see. Come and see. Master, where dwellest thou? Come and see. In Jesus' name, there is an invitation going forth in this building right now in the Spirit to those who came seeking where He dwells so you can truly dwell with Him every day. It is the invitation. Come and see. Come. Come on. The invitation is going forth in the Spirit right now. Let the Spirit of God bear witness with your spirit right now. There's an invitation. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Where do you dwell, Jesus? Whither thou goest, I will go. Wherever thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people will be my people. I want, to, I want to abide in you, Father. Abide in me as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, my rhema abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Come and see. He didn't say come to church. Come in to me. Come, come seeking me. Come seeking where I dwell. Come on. Come on, just because there's not a flat, lot of flash and dash going on in here right now doesn't mean there's not a deep move of the Spirit taking place right now. There is a deep invitation in this, my God, in the Spirit going forth in this place that's saying, what do you want? What do you want from me? What are you seeking for? What are you, what are you looking for? Come and see. You just want me to help you be better at what you're doing, playing your religious games? Or do you want to be New Testament apostolic in every possible way? In every possible way, you want to be New Testament apostolic. Not just in doctrine, but in every possible way. He's saying, come and see. My, 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 my. My. Is this deep enough for you? It's happening really deep here right now. Some of you haven't tuned into it yet. 
Maybe that's because you're afraid of what you'll feel and what the Spirit is going to ask of you if you get in tune with it. Come on. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to the kingdom. My God. My God. My God. My God. My God. My God. Do you want a ministry or do you want a relationship with Jesus? Do you want a ministry or do you want a real relationship with Jesus? Do you want to walk with Him and fellowship with Him and abide with Him and be a conduit for Him? Or you just want to let Him, you just seeking for Him to use you so you can make a name for yourself? What's your motive? What's your reason? You just want to learn to pray so you can get all the stuff you want. You want to just learn to battle devils so you can, so you can pray against all the opposition and negative stuff in your life. Or do you want Jesus? Abide in me, he said. Abide in me. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Come on. My, 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 my. <laughs> Come on. Woo. <laughs> My God. Woo! Come on, you that are watching right now. Come on, don't watch us pray. Join us in prayer. The same spirit in this room right now is where you are right this minute. Right this minute, that's where you are. He is. Right where you are. What's your response to Him? He wants to know what you're seeking. You watching this out of curiosity? Or is there hunger there? Is there desire there? Are you seeking for something? I can't give it to you. I'm just a a human like you. But the Spirit of God that's in that room where you are right now, He can give it to you if you're seeking it. Seeking Him. What seek you? What seek you? What you looking for? Come on. The Lord is faithful. He's no respecter of persons. He's not going to respond to one wholehearted seeking and then not respond to another's wholehearted seeking. He said, if you seek for me with all your heart, I will be found of you. If you will seek for me with all of your heart, I will be found of you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Tika. Ah, da la da 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 mahaya. 
If you have arrived spiritually, you better check the destination. Check the address of the place you have arrived. Because it's not in God and not of God. Because in God, nobody has arrived. It is a constant seeking. It is a constant searching. It's a constant hungering and thirsting. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you get your mind over off what somebody will think of you if you really, really let your spirit go in seeking after God and focus your attention on Him and not worry about what somebody's going to think or, 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 or how you're going to act. The desperate doesn't care. The desperate don't care about what somebody's going to think of them. They're just desperate. I gotta have this. I gotta have this now. I'm not living a, another day without, without moving farther into Him, receiving more from Him that allows me to be more what He's called me to be. I'm not living another day without something significant happening in my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For those of you that may have to go, we start back in the morning at 9.30 sharp. This isn't dismissed. We're not stopping, but there's a few that may have to go because of, uh, uh, of obligations or commitments. 9.30 sharp in the morning. Eastern Standard Time. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, don't settle. Don't settle for religiosity. Don't settle for traditional religion. Own Refuse to be satisfied with anything and any less than Jesus himself. Jesus. I want Jesus. Jesus. I want you, Father. But you can't get more from him than you give him you. It's not possible. You can't get any more from him than you give him you. We come to church or go to prayer looking for something from God. But somebody else shows up at church and shows up at prayer looking for something. God shows up at our prayer meetings. And God shows up at our church services. And He's looking for something too. You know what He's looking for? It's not a what, it's a who. He's looking for you. You want something from God? God wants something for you. You. He wants something from you. You. All of you. Not part of you. Not, not a negotiated settlement. All of you.
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I know some of you are tired. You've come a long way. Some of you got up early this morning and traveled all day today. Come on, just for a little bit longer. Come on, let's press past our flesh. We're not pressing God. We're pressing past us. Come on. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't let the weak flesh stand in the way of what you're trying to get here. Come on. What you're after, what you're believing for. Don't let it, don't let weak flesh be in the way. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you don't know what to pray for, let the Spirit pray through you and for you. If you don't know what to pray for, let the Spirit pray through you and for you. In the name of Jesus. 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 He talarorobo kurata tabahaya. Ramana mamahaya. He kalarola ratalaratatahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. He kihe kularata talaratatahaya. Ramana nananana mahaya. Ye kihe kalaraya. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you need to go, you're welcome to go. But if, if you, if you're hungering and thirsting and you don't absolutely have to go, then you need to keep pressing. Press past the flesh. Press past the flesh. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the Spirit of the Lord empower you. Enable you to go past the flesh in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Jesus name. Jesus. In the name of 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 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 La batata talarata talarata bahai. Eki e kalarata talarata. Rotoloroto bukusha sata. Eki e kalaroto loroto bata. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Father. Oh, Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. stop because somebody else is stopping. Stop when you and Jesus are finished. There's more to come. But make sure that when you stop tonight, you stop at the place that you can pick up tomorrow. Because these meetings are progressive. The next one is built on the last one. The next prayer is built on the last prayer. And they accumulate one step at a time, one move at a time. Jesus' name. Not here having church, not here going through the motions. It it doesn't matter right now if it's 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. It's whenever we're done. It's whenever the Spirit finishes. We're not trying to go a certain amount of time and not trying to stay under a certain amount of time. We're just trying to flow in the spirit. Praise God. Now, I'm, I'm laying down the microphone, but that's not for the purpose of you stopping praying until you're finished. We start again in the morning at 9.30, tomorrow afternoon at 1.30, tomorrow evening at 7. Praise God.